What's up, guys? My name is Barn Saunders, and you're listening to the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And on this podcast, we will be talking about recovery in the broadest, most general sense possible. Recovery is so much more than just getting over something. Whether that be drugs, loss, physical injury, or mental health, the principles of recovery can be applied to all areas of life. And in this podcast, we're going to be focusing on everything and anything that can cause struggles in life or cause great success in life, and how to navigate through the good and the bad times, as well as getting on the path of recovery from any and all setbacks or choices that may have led you down the wrong path. Another thing I want to emphasize is recovery is a constant progression forward. And what that means is recovery doesn't ever end. You can recover from something and then always fall right back to where you were. That's why in recovery, and especially here on the Sunday Recovery Podcast, you won't hear us talk about how to recover and be finished. Recovery is always pushing forward and striving for betterment, even when the original reason for starting recovery is no longer a factor in your daily life. And we're on. It's it. We're hooked up. Ready <laughs> to go. It. We're hooked up. Ready to go. So we're doing the Sunday Recovery Podcast. Sunday Recovery Podcast. And it is Sunday. It is Sunday, man. It's yeah. perfect. This is good. It's very fitting. It is. So I want to say thanks to everyone uh, for tuning in again this week. This week I have a very special guest making his second appearance on the pod. That's right. Um, it's my good buddy, friend, um, Matt J. What's up, Barnes? How we doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. It's been a great day, dude. It has been a lot a of fun day. hanging out with you, Matt. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Matt was on for season one, um, and that episode was awesome. Yeah, I think we did uh, finding a relationship with a higher power. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. That's very, very important part of recovery. It is. Totally is. But yeah, so we want to get you back on the pod to uh, share a little bit of your experience, strength, and hope. Yeah, we will do. We'll yeah. do. Okay, so um, my story starts like a lot of people that I know. So I came into, I, I found uh, mind-altering substances when I was like 13, 14, yep, and yep. they progressed from there until... Um, until I found uh, opiates and once I found opiates I felt like at the time like I had found the love of my life that's mm. how it felt mm. but very shortly after that I realized that I was not the love of opiates life <laughs> so you know basically it took my I mean my life took a nosedive from the beginning of 2013 until the end of 2013. Just in that year, it was yeah. a complete falling off a cliff in terms of the consequences that I faced as a direct result of using harder uh, mind-altering substances. So then I was given a choice it was at the end of 2013 and my choices were uh, be homeless 
or go into a treatment center. So I selected a treatment center and I was there for uh, 30 days. And at the end of the 30 days, I came back to Maryland and I immediately started getting involved in my recovery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So where'd you go to treatment? Outside of Maryland? No, I went to Florida. Oh, yeah. Florida. I went to Florida. Dang. Um, so was it like uh, one of those like resort style? No, it was not. We were <laughs> okay. in a um, we were in a redone motel. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> they like refurbished a motel, and I basically stayed in like a motel room. Gotcha. <laughs> and that was my that was my treatment center, but it was great, and it was such a good introduction um to to be able to uh you know start a life of recovery and um i'm certainly glad that i selected that choice rather than you know be homeless and then keep trying to feed on you know my addictions appetite totally so my recovery is um I was introduced through programs of AA and NA, and my uh, allegiance, I guess, which is not really the right word, uh, my, what I connected with was NA. Gotcha. So, NA meetings is where I heard things that I related to, and that is, um, that's where I found the birth of my recovery. So, when I came back from Florida, I immediately went to meetings. In the Maryland area um, and I got uh, fully involved in in um, what NA teaches which is getting a program getting a uh, service commitment getting a sponsor getting a fellowship all of this was involved in the early days of my recovery and it was great. I, I saw basically immediate beneficial results in my life. My family trusted me more. Uh, my, my friends outside of NA were, I remember being so, so nervous about telling friends um, that I'd known for years and years that I was now in recovery. And all of them were like, you're more like yourself than you have been in the last year of us knowing you that's amazing yeah it was and it really makes you first of all it makes you think about what you were like during that year right right must have been an absolute nightmare for everybody else around you even people that you that never even said anything to you right i used to think uh i used to think i was such a sneaky (laughs) a sneaky addict right right? i'd get away with anything and I'd be the most obvious, like, obvious. Oh, so. Yeah, it's just so obvious. Everybody knows. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was reinforced in hearing that from people, you know, that didn't necessarily know how intense, how bad my addiction had gotten. Mm. So hearing them be like, oh, you sound more like yourself uh, than you ever have was kind of eye-opening. Um and then I, uh, you know, I want to say from 2014 to 2016, I was pretty consistent 
in going to meetings. Uh, I had a couple hiccups along the way where I'd get six months clean and then I'd forget the pain and I would relapse and then I would get another six months and I would forget the pain and I would relapse. And it took me a while um, of falling on my face before an old timer took me to the side after this was the fourth time I did it. It was at the end of 2015. Uh, and he took me to the side after a meeting and I was like afraid sort of thinking, is this guy going to kick my ass or something? <laughs> but he took me to the side and what he said was, you need to make a decision on whether or not you really want this as a way of life or you're going to keep coming in here every six months crying about how you've made another mistake. And after that conversation, I never felt the need to use any mind-altering substances ever again. Mm -hmm. So, damn, well, huge shout out to that. Dude. I know, I know. <laughs> He's such a huge part of my story. And I actually, one of the blessings of being involved in recovery is that years down the road, I, I was able to see him. Like, this happened recently. I saw him. That's awesome. And I was able to come up to him and be like, here, this is, you know, what I say about every single time that I talk about my experience strength and hope that you are brought up and he was so humble about it he was his i think exact response was all of your thanks go to my predecessors right because that's what they told him so it was really awesome obviously he was thrilled too right how oh, can you yeah, not be how can you not be if you hear somebody <laughs> say that to you so he was super stoked about it but also was very humble in his response now even though i did not have the even though i have not used a mind-altering substance since that conversation i've made a lot of mistakes one of the biggest that I made is in 2016, I left this area and moved to Philadelphia. And when I moved to Philadelphia, I did not recommit myself into a program up there. Mm. And I sort of just lived a life of abstinence. I wasn't living like a degenerate or anything. Like I had a job. Right. I had uh I paid my rent. I didn't, you know, create problems for people. But what I didn't do was any kind of self maintenance. So what that means is when I was face to face with a situation that I found to be unacceptable, I was wholly unequipped to deal with it. Uh, in my case, it was a baby on the way. Gotcha. So baby on the way, I had this idea in my life that once I had found recovery, I'd be able to make life-altering decisions 
even with my partner and then be able to go through with those decisions uh and that ended up not being my personal case and when my partner said she was having this baby there really wasn't anything i could do about it right right baby's on the way and that was it but my response was intense barnes very very intense and it's because i did no self-maintenance right if i had gone to meetings in philadelphia if i had done you know the consistent work that's required in one's recovery i wouldn't have had as intensive a reaction as i did um but my reaction almost felt like early recovery again right my emotions were extremely high so if i felt if i felt joy and this is with by the way and this should be noted this is with like four years of not having any kind of drugs or alcohol in my system at all and that's my emotions were still so unregulated because i did no self-maintenance that if i was happy it was like pure ecstasy like absolute infinite joy right if i was sad it was like being crushed by the atmosphere of a thousand oceans and if i was angry it was like the rage of a thousand suns basically all of my emotional output was extreme every single every single reaction that i had from the point of here's baby on the way to like baby has arrived was extreme um and thankfully i didn't do anything too massively consequential for myself um but i did do some destructive things right i mean i ruined that relationship i uh i set myself up for a harder um introduction to being a father but what was so good about having that earlier introduction into ma is that i knew where to go right i knew where to go and i went back into the rooms and cried and said oh i got this baby coming but i'm so not ready and you know i thought i could choose things in my life now you know just all of these me 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 selfish 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 uh speeches that i would unload on these meetings but it helped me uh, it helped me get through it for sure and that that year got capped actually with my with my dad passing away so it was like there's just like so much going on right and then the year after that was covid wow (laughs) so it was just like a slew of occurrences that were difficult for me to deal with after covid i got much more reintegrated into my recovery I take it extremely serious now. I go to meetings regularly. I have a service commitment. I talk to my sponsor on a daily basis. I uh, work the steps to the best of my ability. I have a fantastic relationship with my kid and with my kid's mother. It's so funny because I was so, so sure that I didn't want to have kids and now 
my kid is like mostly what I think about, right? Smith. Like mostly what I'm considering. So it's just another lesson that had been taught to me earlier that I then got to live, which is your feelings are not facts and things that you are sure about maybe in a year or so you're not going to be so sure about because uh we humans inside and outside of recovery like make changes in their lives and then they adapt to them and that's something that i experienced i was such a hard line on you know this decision for my life and uh it wasn't It was foolish to be that hardline, is what I should say. It was foolish to be that hardline. It's much easier and better to go into life-altering decisions with an open mind. So, I think that's... I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah? Honestly. I mean... Because, listen, I can hear people talk about their days of of using and where that led them but it always all it always sounds the same to me i like hearing people's actual experience with entering in recovery and that's and that's what mine that's what i try to keep my share focused on that's why i zoom past you know introduced at 13 and then by 2013 my life was like in shambles because that's what everybody says but you know this is this is the the hope right that even um with dealing with really really big life-altering decisions like a kid on the way or a parent dying i was able to go through those situations um not with a complete sense of grace but with a sense of not making the situation any worse than it had to be so and then knowing that you can get through intensities without having to alter your mind, alter your feelings. You yeah. can feel all of it yeah. and you'll be all right. That's, that's a huge one for me every day, man. Realizing that, you know, today I have people in my life just like you to show me that no matter what it is I think I'm dealing with and how hard of a situation it is. You know, I don't have to turn to substances to get through it anymore. Um, you know, not to say that that's the only time I ever use substances, but it was it was definitely a big part of my story for sure. Um, but when, so I'm, I wanted to ask you when you when you were in Philly um, and you and you felt like you had kind of lost touch with with the program of recovery. What um what did you do when you first started getting back into it? And how did that play out? Like, what caused you to realize, like, oh, yeah, I need to, you know, I need it. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I need sure. To I can tell it. you exactly what happened because it's, yeah. it's, it is significant, right? I had come back to Maryland, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I had moved back to Maryland, and then I found out that this baby was on the way. Yep. And for 10 days, and it was the only time I ever felt like I was, quote-unquote, white-knuckling it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt for 10 days. And I was having like panic attacks and I was, I couldn't eat or sleep. 
it was really intense. And I remember I was in uh, my apartment in Rockville, and I felt I could taste my drug of choice in the back of my throat in my apartment. And this was, again, with four years, no touching of any substances. And I, like, fell to my knees. This is true. It sounds hyperbolic, but it's not. It's not... I'm not exaggerating. Mm. I fell to my knees in my apartment. And I called my sponsor. And... I told him what was up because I hadn't told anybody. I ate that. I ate all of that for ten days. Damn. I ate all of it. I didn't tell my family, my friends. I, I couldn't accept that this was what my life was gonna be. You know, yeah. it was like a, it was an intense trying to hold on to what I wanted my life to be, which was uh, no kids. So after I called my sponsor, what do you know? He said immediately, go to a meeting. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I went in and I screamed at those people in Montgomery County for like five months. <laughs> I yeah. did. I like, uh, I unloaded on them so hard. But, uh, that's what got me re-involved. It was, I guess, a, a life-altering event yeah. got me re-invigorated. Um, in that time in Philadelphia, I was so far removed that I would say that I called, I called no one except for my sponsor, and I would call him like every three months and just be yeah. like, things are fine. Dang. The how, only how long were you in Philly? Uh, two and a half years. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. So it wasn't unfortunate. The only thing that I really, really took away right from what I had in those first two years of of recovery was. I cannot use mind-altering substances. Right. That's what I really, really took into Philly. Mm. And it worked, like, fine for, you know... I mean, that's the thing, right? Things... When things are going your way, man, um, it's very, very easy to live on self-will. Oh, yeah. Definitely is. Yeah, those are always the moments where, uh, you know, I'm so grateful to have people that can, you know... Humble me real quick. Because <laughs> um, when, dude, I get, I get the exact same way. When uh, when things are going better than they've arguably ever gone before in my life, um, you know, it's super easy for me to think like, oh, I got this. Like, I don't need, you know, I don't need anyone else. Like, I don't need to talk to anyone. I don't need to go to meetings. I don't need to do any more work um, to get in that mindset of, oh, I'm recovered because my life is great now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Well, I think, and I think an important lesson also to learn in just experiencing that is in those moments where things are going better than they've ever gone before is when you really should go in so that oh, yeah. you can spread that message. I like that. And you can let people know, look, I'm here because of living my life through the principles taught to me in this program and... I want to share my joy with you. What do they, what do they say? Um, um, pain shared is pain lessened, but joy shared is joy doubled. I like that. So like it's that. really, really, and that's an important thing for me to remember too, right? Because I'll forget that stuff too. I forget the same things that you're talking about. 
Um, and you're, you know, you're looking at me like, oh, I can keep you humble and I can keep you, you know, grounded in, in your journey. But the reality is you got to keep me that way too, man. So, so I do think that that's an important thing to remember. And, and it's not only to just let yourself not slip away from your recovery, but also to show other people that, you know, everything is going so, so good in my life. And it's because of A, B, and C, you know, uh, going to meetings, talking to my sponsor, or however you want to put it. Exactly. My recovery. Yeah. Dude, totally. Um, when, dude, just, and just how we were talking earlier, man, like going through a, a situation like that where you're so set on uh, how you want things things to go a certain way. And like, dude, look how they've turned out now. Like all day, you've been nonstop talking about how much love you have for my for little guy, yeah, for my for little baby. Guy, yeah. yeah, I love my kid. That's my whole. Phone <laughs> it's one is, of the most beautiful things. Though. My whole phone is my kid. It's pictures <laughs> of my kid or videos of my kid. So. I think she's really funny and really, um, you know, she keeps me humble and grounded too. So it was, you know, I think all of those pieces fell into place for me to be able to accept being a dad and then because i feel like i had to go through that oh you know this intensity for me to get to a point where i can be a responsible and productive father in my kid's life and that came you know that eventually came with acceptance right so yeah i think I mean, I can't wait to see my kid, like, as we're talking right now, right? Like, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely, you know, for me, I've definitely, hopefully, got a few more years to prepare. Um, but, you know, whatever whatever happens, well, life shows up, it, dude. It's, it's what I hear all the time is that, you know, sometimes things just happen in our lives that we have to look at and, and find what's, you know, what's amazing about them. Um, to me, you, it's what you've done. Dude. If you don't have a couple of years if you have a surprise couple of months yeah, yeah. uh i'm here to let you know that it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine and ah uh, it's you know i think it's important too though to stress when you're feeling as intensely as i was feeling it's really, really, really hard to take advice from people. Oh, yeah. It's really hard. Uh, because they're not feeling that intensity that you're feeling at that moment. I mean, maybe they have before, but at that moment? Mm -mm. So, I think by daily maintenance and being able to recognize, ooh, you know, my intensities are not me you know, it can help you digest things that you don't necessarily want to be happening to happen. Hmm. So, I mean, that's what I had to learn, right? Because I was so... I would hear people give me advice, right? Like yeah. When it was yeah. first happening. And I would be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You literally have no clue. And your advice is not helping me. Uh, and your suggestions are not helping me. And I don't want to hear them and I don't want to take them. And I know looking back that that was just part of my 
process to eventually get to a point of acceptance. <laughs> I remember there's this one story I always really like to tell, right? Because I would go to these, I mean, this is for real, right? I would go to these meetings like every day, yeah, sometimes twice a day, and I would unload about my fear and my anxiety and my intensity of this baby on the way. And I remember I went to this one meeting <laughs> and I told myself, all right, do not share. Don't share. You need to listen. You need to hear some things. You need to not blow up every single meeting that you go to like a maniac. <laughs> because I got news for you. The other thing is too, right? Look, chances are if you're going to a meeting every single day yeah. and you're screaming and you're like um, sharing intensely every single day uh, chances are you're not very approachable right <laughs> so how are you gonna get the help that you need yeah. uh so i was like all right, okay. all right just be quiet and and then hear the hear the message so like i'm listening to this guy lead and he ends his lead by saying oh and i just want to say that uh, my wife and i are expecting our first child and I'm really, really excited about it. And then he's like, thanks for letting me share. And my hand shot up so quick, it would have made your head spin. And I was like, oh, you know, my name is Matt, and you ruined my night. Like, this is crazy. Um, and I just, like, unloaded on this, on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, took, it took a lot to get to a point of acceptance. And now I can't imagine, like, my life without... My life would be so empty, right? I do so much stuff with my kid, man. We go on bike rides. We go to museums. We, uh, I, I get to, I get this intense learning experience. Like a new part of my brain has been turned on when I see her learning stuff. It's really awesome. neat. It's really, really neat. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It is. So something I'm interested about is, um, and I've, I always think it's important to share this sort of message, um, but I'm interested in hearing about when you first came to the realization um, that you genuinely had a problem. And I think it's an important message to carry because for, for most people, definitely for myself, you know, when I first came to that realization, it, uh, it wasn't when I decided to get clean. Um, so I'm interested in hearing when you first came to that realization um, that there might be a problem. Like something's up with recognizing that recovery is a good way of life or something's up with, oh, I have a problem with my addiction. Oh, I have a problem. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, man. It's so sad, though. Uh, all of the things that I did leading up to... 2013 when I found hard opiates like that's what really brought me down it's what made my life completely unmanageable I think that the moment because I you know I lied and covered everything that I did to my friends and family I guess like to what to the best of my ability <laughs> but I think that the moment where I was really coming face to face with, man, I've actually got a problem, was my mom coming to me 
with pamphlets and stuff from our treatment centers and then crying and then I cried and that was probably there's no more hiding and not addressing this so I think and I don't even know if it's healthy or not to like necessarily dwell on it but for me I'm pretty sure I was aware that I had a problem long before I admitted not even just to other people but to myself that I had a problem right and I guess that's kind of that's kind of difficult to like work out is at what point did I know that this maybe was a problem to I'm admitting to myself that this is a problem Uh, but obviously you know if you were if you were lying and you're pawning things and you're stealing things you know that that's wrong yeah you know that this is not right what is happening but i think to answer your question specifically that's when i admitted to myself i guess that um i mean here you get like i got my mom here the person that the person that loves me the most in the world right and they're crying and i'm crying and i think just like a couple of weeks from there is when i went to florida so was that your first and only time in treatment i only went once yeah same here once same here um and even when i did like because i talked about getting six months and then relapsing and getting six months and relapsing and those relapses were a day Okay, it wasn't yeah. like a bender yeah, or a come back out for a couple too. of years. No, it was one time I would go. But I will say that every time it was like my drug of choice immediately. Because mm-hmm. some people say they ease into it. My my addiction isn't like that. It's like, no, 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 no. You already found what you really, truly, like I said, the love of your life. Um, and that's what I would go to every single time. But then I, you know... The guilt and shame and regret. When you get a taste of what your life could be, and then you go back to what your life was, it doesn't feel very good. Right. Like, none of it. You can romanticize, like, the feeling, the rush, or the um, calmness, whatever's appealing to you about certain substances but then you remember where it leads you if you've already been introduced to a life that's better when you do those things that brought your life to a terrible spot it's at least for me it was not the same it wasn't the same mm-hmm. and that's why i didn't do i always get a little bit like confused well not confused because i get it but it wasn't my experience of hearing people go back out and then stay back out. Some people talk about being too afraid to come back in, but yeah. maybe because I did it so quickly, it was like I didn't get a chance to be afraid to come back in. Wow, true. I don't, I don't really know, um, but all I know is that every time I did it, it didn't make me feel good. And rather than 
continuing down that path, I would just go straight back into the rooms and be like, this is what happened to me. Dude, so you had, uh, you had said in, uh, in describing all those times you relapsed and went back out, even, even for the, the day, um, you had said you had forgotten the paint. Yeah. Um, what is, could you elaborate on that a little more? Cause that's, that's something that I struggle with is, uh, euphoric, uh, memories, um, and also selective memory. <laughs> yeah. Right. So those things that you find appealing, right. Yeah. In a substance. So that can be something that brings you down way down and, and dulls your emotions. That can be like a big thing. That's like an, what an opiate will do. It'll dull yeah. out your emotions and let you supposedly be able to handle anything that you're going through right i don't want to feel this way this is what i take to not feel that way um and the problem with forgetting the pain which is where that eventually leads you to is you remember those things that you enjoyed about those substances and i think that's what i mean about um forgetting the pain because when i do that and i and i live a life where I'm using substances to deal with my emotions or to deal with my problems or to deal with um, anything. It brings me to a very, very, very painful place where, you know, I use this drug and then this happens to me as a consequence. And then to not deal with the consequence, I do this drug. Yep. And then I have new consequences for that one. Cycle, yeah. And then, oh, I can't deal with these. And then by the time, this is the pain, right? This is this is the pain that I'm talking about. At the end, you have all of these consequences all piled up on top of each other. And there's nowhere left to turn. The drugs don't work anymore. Your lying doesn't work anymore. All of your quote-unquote tools for dealing with your life no longer work and that's the pain that's the pain of well now i can see all of the consequences that i've caused and the disaster that i've run through other people's lives but mostly my own life and that's what those substances bring to my life eventually but Forgetting the pain is... Oh, I remember what they were first like. Yeah. The first mm. time I took these. Or the first month I took them. Because it's never the first time. I hear people say that too. And I'm just like... like You're not chasing the first time you ever did them. You're chasing like... You're chasing your positive experiences with it. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's what the forgetting the pain is. You forget all of those consequences that those eventually lead me to and i remember with rose tinted glasses whatever the euphoria that i felt totally dude so now um you know ever since uh what's what's your clean date again december 13th 2015 2015 there yeah. you go yeah. so since december 1st 2015 you know, how have you been able to not forget that pain again? Have there been moments where you've been 
you know, it, like is the difference today that you're able to catch yourself when you're in those moments, like you said, remembering things with, you know, a frame around them, only highlighting the good times. Yeah, I think that the main point to drive through is through self-maintenance. So that means totally. through talking to you, through talking to my sponsor, through going to meetings, through um, doing step work, through service where I have to show up for things even though I don't want to. Yeah. Um, through all of those things, I... You know, I heard a guy share a long, long time ago about... How when he first came into meetings, he felt like he had all of these problems. And now he's been here for 20 years and he goes to meetings three times a week and he's done all the steps and he has service commitment. And he said, now I don't have problems. And I remember when I heard that and I was like, everybody got problems. But like, I get it now. And what he meant or what I'm interpreting what he said to mean is uh, through self-maintenance yeah I catch those things I catch myself having less than desirable reactions to things my gauge for being able to accept things as they're presented to me can endure a lot more. So, mm. I try not to be reactionary to things that I don't find acceptable. And I, look man, when you're, when you're living a life of recovery, your path gets more narrow. Mm. And what I mean to say by that is it's a lot easier to catch yourself stepping off a path. Right. Like I notice right. immediately if I'm having thoughts that are going to lead me to results that I'm not going to like. Totally. And I think that that all ties into, you know, like you said, being able to catch these moments of, oh, am I about to mess up or am I about to not be able to digest what's happening to me? I mean, this is like something, right? So one of the things that I had that would lead to consequences that I didn't like was is being reactionary. Right. Yeah. So if you say uh, something, if you say something I find to be unacceptable, um, I'm blow it up. Yeah. I'll blow you up. I'll bury you. Um, not not like, not <laughs> gonna kill you. Right. But right, like right. bury you with my words. And uh, what do you know? That leads to results that that you don't like and that I don't like because yeah. then either you're going to be avoidant, right? Or you're going to come back and bury me, 
or you'll be sad or I'll be sad or, you know, it's always results that aren't good for anyone. Um, and for a long time, I, you know, I was catching that, right? I was catching like, Ooh, let me not put myself into this scenario where I could be, you know, reactionary because of this. And I started like running into these situations where I'm like, well, how do I, how do I not be reactionary if we're literally in the midst of a conversation? Right. Like what if I'm conversing with you right now and you say something that I, that I find abhorrent or that I reject with a lot of intensity. And I was like, well, how do I not, how do I respond <laughs> in a way like that? That keeps my, uh, emotional output at a, at a minimum and what if they're heated right yeah. what if you're heated and you say it to me so i was like well how do I, you know and it took me <laughs> the answer is really really easy it's so easy you won't believe how easy it is <laughs> do you know what it is <laughs> no what is it it's literally leave yeah yeah <laughs> it's hold that thought and yeah. walk away and that the results of just doing that have yielded significantly better results. I bet. Because then those people... Listen, because that's the other thing. is like when I cause all of that damage through burying you and whatever, then I eventually have to come back and be like, I'm so sorry that I'm, you know, you apologize and smooth it over. But that gets exhausting, man. It gets really, really exhausting um, laying into people and then apologizing for laying into them. And it, you know, it doesn't really reflect well on you either if you have to continuously do that. Definitely not. Um... But what I've noted is if I've been able to walk in those situations, that person comes to me and apologizes and, apologizes. and smooths it over. Oh. Yeah. So oh. that's been one of the things that, you know, it, it, I've, I'm still, I still have to work on. Right. Because look, man. Look, listen, and this is important to note too, right? And you know this. Uh, recovery does not make you perfect. You you do not you right. don't you don't do this and then be perfect. That's not what it is. Uh, but what it can do is mitigate consequences and results of your own actions to a much much more palatable experience. Totally. So totally. instead of Oh, you know, I have to blow up and be super intense and um, and make you feel like you're less than, right? Instead of that, it can be, ooh, let me have a moment to think about this. And then you cause no damage. You cause no damage by doing that, by the right. way. You don't right. cause damage. And then you can get your time to think about it and absorb all of your you know feelings that you're having about it and then what do you know at least in my experience they've come and been like i was wrong to start getting that heated or that whatever aggressive or assertive bordering on aggression right and then you end up with a much more positive result for everyone oh yeah oh yeah 
Dude, I, first off, I really want to commend you, dude. It sounds like the amount of, uh, you know, the self-work that's needed to, you know, to gain all this sort of self-awareness is, uh, it's huge, dude. It really is. Um, and you, you inspire a lot of hope in me, dude. And, I, you know, I can only imagine how many other people you've you really inspired as well. Um, it's one of, one of the biggest things that I always think I get out of um, having discussions like this is realizing that so many, um, so many things that I have issues with and problems I have in my life, you know, I can really, uh, you know, get a more positive outlook on them through self-awareness and being able to see like, what is it that I'm doing or what is it that I'm not doing that is also affecting the situation that I love to blame on someone else or, you know, that I love to react to right away as fast as I can instead of, you know, take my time and respond. Um, so, dude, I, I want to say thank you, man. It's it's huge. And, uh, you know, realizing that it kind of kind of makes me think about all the all the differences between, you know, the past lives and, and today. man. So what would you say is uh, is one of the biggest thought processes that has changed for you? across your recovery journey oh okay well there's a lot to that whoa 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 <laughs> yeah. i wanted to respond though really quick if yeah, I yeah, might, yeah um to what you were just saying about inspiring hope to you and and giving perspective of course right? and this is what this is something that's also really important right i used to think that my perspective could be changed or would be changed through talking with other people. And that's true, right? Like I, I, I could be like, Oh, like I had this bad reaction. And then I talked to, I talked to you and then you were like, well, well, you know, there's also this. And then I can be like, Oh yeah, you're right. And I should think about it that way. But in recovery, your own perspective changes. Yeah, exactly. And then that's like, that's like the beauty of, you know, Oh, now I can see, you know, First of all, you can see how you would re you would have reacted, right? And then yep. you can see, no, no, this is what I should do. And then, yeah. anyways, that was just the thing that I thought as you said that is, and I wanted to share that thought of your perspective, not just changing from talking to other people, but just in doing recovery in general, it changes on its own or it changes through your work. Yeah. Your own perspective changes. Oh, yeah. And then you don't even, you already know. I already know um, this isn't a situation where I need to talk to other people. I already know like what the right thing to do is because I already have the experience of and the results of dealing with it before. Yeah. So, yep. okay. What was the, what was the question again? <laughs> what's uh what's like one of the biggest thought processes that you think you've noticed uh, that's changed throughout your recovery? All right. Well, there's been a lot. I, I think that the biggest one is probably what we discussed on our podcast earlier. Totally. Um, or last season? Was it season? Last season. Last yes, season. Sir. Yeah. yeah, so in last season's podcast, we talked about the importance of a relationship with a higher power, which was something that I did not have much interest or applicability into bettering my own life before recovery. Right. And I think in working in recovery... I've developed a relationship with a higher power that I wouldn't, you know, I think it's instrumental in 
helping me be the person that I am today. I love that. Uh, oh yeah, that's probably one of the biggest thought processes because I, you know, if you had talked to me, circa 2012, 2011, <laughs> <Circa> 2012. <laughs> you talked to me then, I probably would have been like. What's a what are you talking about? Like what is this? Right. And I wouldn't even I probably wouldn't have even thought about it, right? I probably wouldn't mm. even I would have been like whatever. It, right, it can't like, apply. Cares? It can't apply yeah. to me. It can't apply to my life. And you know, now it's like, you know, I wake up and I I pray and have conversations with my higher power and you know, these are other things too, right? I mean, that's like another thing that helped me with my perspective, right? So yeah, I do. Is being able to have those those conversations that I have with my higher power to be able to take a break before you know I do something that's maybe gonna yield me results that I don't like. That's I mean it's so funny like <laughs> doing this podcast and like talking out loud and having this conversation is like the bottom line is <laughs> before recovery I got results from my own actions that nobody else liked and i didn't like either and now through recovery i get to make more informed actions and then the results are much more positive so oh, yeah. it's a behavioral change and acceptance it definitely is it definitely is you know it's not just uh it's not it's way more than just quitting drugs it's, for yeah. sure oh well that's what i, I mean <laughs> that's something I, that i, I had hope... <laughs> go 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 go! It's, it's something that I had real twisted, man. When I first, uh, you know, so so I like to say this is my first time actually in re- in recovery, uh, but it's not my first time getting clean. Uh, but you know, this is my first time uh, doing and realizing and and accepting that I wanted more than just you know just stopping uh, substances like drugs, alcohol, mind altering substances. Um, it's something that I I get reminded of constantly. Is that you know if I quitting quitting drugs is one thing, um, but you know I had times throughout my active addiction where I would not do drugs for a little bit, and it still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? It still sucked. Yeah. So, um, and we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, you know, why do people like seek out? Why does an addict seek out drugs? I feel like, for me, it was usually to not deal with consequences of my own actions and the emotions associated with those right well guess what all of those behavioral patterns don't go away you can still be aggressive you can still be um close-minded you can still be uh unwilling to change even without the use of drugs oh yeah all of those bad habits and bad ways of thinking they still exist without the presence of drugs. Uh, that's why, yeah, recovery is not just, ooh, I stop drugs and then I'm better. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's I stop drugs and then I do self-maintenance on myself, you know. Oh, yeah. On consistently. A basis. Consistently. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's how you can get a life. That's how I can get a life worth living. Hell, yeah. 
Dude, well, that's that's amazing, man. I feel like that's a perfect way to wrap things up. Okay. Um, dude, thanks. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course and getting man. into all that, dude. It's yeah. It's been a great time getting you back on the pod. Absolutely. Hopefully, we'll we'll make it happen again. I love to spread the message and be, you know, a a voice of hope for recovery being. A beneficial part of your life of my life absolutely absolutely oh yeah dude well thanks matt yeah bro really appreciate that oh, and thanks again for everyone who tuned in and listened this week we'll uh we'll see you all again next sunday have a good one